use my soapbox. If you have important things to say, you use a soapbox. Welcome to the first bonus episode of The Soapbox. So before I get into any of the questions, comments, concerns, uh, I want to first explain the importance of even having this bonus episode. So this week, uh, or the past couple weeks, have been a real turbulent time in America, specifically for black people. The recent killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor before him, have really ignited the powder keg that is the racial situation in America. Um, these episodes that I release, uh, that will be released weekly, this week you only got the education episode. These episodes were recorded actually earlier last month. So this was most of which they were all recorded in May uh, with the final episode actually being recorded two days before uh, George Floyd's murder. It's sad to say that the episodes came right on time. I didn't plan it that way. I did not plan to drop a uh, education episode at a time when so many needed it. But it was perhaps it was divine timing. I, I don't know. But the bonus episodes, uh, like I said, since all the episodes were recorded beforehand, the bonus episodes allowed me to stay current and create a longer conversation. So this week, uh, in honor of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, as well as Kenneth Walker, uh, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, who was released from police custody, in honor of all three of them, I allowed the questions, comments, and concerns to also be vents. Uh, now, I haven't heard any of these. I'm actually going to hear them for the first time while you do. So let's play the first one. Hey, bro. First off, just want to congratulate you on the podcast. It um, came out really nice. And it's informative. So, again, my man B, don't miss. Except when you play me in ball. But um, anyway, I had this kind of crazy idea. And I was kind of hot last night, so you tell me if this is, this sounds legit, but dude, you got to think, right? In the U.S., we probably make, I don't know, like at least, at least 10, eight to 10 trillion financial transactions daily being processed by the Federal Reserve. Now, if we added a modest tax of 0. 0.000025, which is one, 40, one over 40,000, um, if we added that, right, to every financial transaction at little tax, you know how much money we could generate? Conservative estimates think it will yield at least at least one trillion dollars now you're asking me why am i telling you this and well again i was high i've been watching all these protests it's making me sick and you know you used to talk about reparations and i i personally like i was like look man i'm i agree i think there should be some sort of reckon like some compensation for the years and years of atrocities that happened to black people while slavery and Jim Crow laws and till this day, right? But I was like, dude, it's gonna be hard to convince white people who, you know, 
never fucking owned shit, who were probably poor whites, you know, they were poor whites now, they were poor whites then, they probably didn't have any slaves, it's hard, it's kind of hard to convince people for you to, I don't know, you know, like, it's kind of hard for you to get them to jump on the bandwagon out of the goodness of their heart, when you know it's what it's going for but if we just added a tax on every financial transaction so like let's say you go to the corner store you're paying i mean obviously this has to be credit because you couldn't do it cash but you go to the corner store or whatever you get your gum i get a pack of smokes something boom 0.0025. but you multiply that times a trillion at least there is at least eight to ten trillion financial transactions daily in the u.s boy that's so much fucking money and then yeah you can definitely use that money for for reparations or climate change and other progressive shit that i think would make this a better world i don't know this is my high idea you tell me what you think about it uh i I appreciate my brother Renato sending that in. Renato is a Brazilian uh, American, and hmm. All right, so I'll take that as a take on reparations, right? I appreciate you letting me know how high you were. That is a very as uh, a kind of way out way of coming up with the money for reparations. Uh, I don't really care how the country comes up with the money for reparations. Personally, I feel like black people are owed something. That debt didn't expire. The slaves were freed. With nothing in reality, no land, no food, nothing at all. So your idea specifically, right, about a tax. Now, I don't think anyone's going to come around to reparations out of the goodness of their heart. I don't. I just don't think that that's likely. But we shouldn't ask for people to come around out of the goodness of their heart. That's an, an ideal world, but that's just not the world we live in. I think through education, though, I think l- most people uh, will come to the logical conclusion that black people are owed something in particular. A lot of people wonder how reparations would come out. Is it going to be checks? Would it be? Well, I think checks wouldn't be a good idea without financial literacy. So I don't know if, if that were to be tied with it. That would be that would be great. I think reparations are possible through direct investment into black banks, black businesses. And how the person would prove that they're black, you know, would people who are half black have access to reparations? Perhaps. And it is a very complicated thing to come up with, right? I'm not too sure about your idea, honestly, but people do say like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty complicated. How are we going to get people to come around? Well, the transatlantic slave trade was a really complicated thing and white folks figured it out. So I, I don't really have much sympathy for that as the reason why reparations can't be or shouldn't be paid. Like, how are we going to do it? We'll do it somehow. Just give up the money, you know? So, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but your idea specifically, I mean, yeah, I guess that'd be possible. I think that'd be an easy way to sneak reparations up on people. But I definitely think the education is what's most important. And I think people need to be educated as to the importance of reparations, because even that point zero 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 uh, whatever will get people up in arms. You know, people are outside protesting at city halls because they can't get a haircut, you know. So I'm sure that they'll want their point zero 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 two five cents back every time they buy gum or a pack of smokes. And then and, and, uh, there's also just a, a sector of the white community that's just mad at black progress. We also need to address that that is a real thing. So yeah, but I mean, I definitely think reparations are, uh, are necessary. Next question. Hey, what's up, Bo? This is Stefan. I just want to start by congratulating you on launching the show. 
I'm so impressed by the quality of the production, the research, and overall just the clear care that you put in episode one. And I can't wait to hear more. Um, my question for you, as someone trying to be a better white ally, um, is I'm looking for any recommendations on better understanding Africans' place in world history. Uh, as you discussed in episode one, I'd like to better educate myself in this area, and I'm not sure where to start. Is there one or two books that you would recommend? Thanks, man. Looking forward to the next episode. All right. Uh, that was that was a really good question. And also, it, Renato, before uh, this question, also congratulated me on the launch of the show. I appreciate that, Renato. Uh, Steph, I, I appreciate that as well. Renato, I should note, has been one of my best friends since I was in the eighth grade. Steph here with the most recent question. Me and him have been coworkers the last six months. Anyway, to answer your question about resources to figure out the African's place in world history or just their place in the world, as a white person, I would suggest that you first start with what initial European contact with non-Europeans was like, right? So when Christopher Columbus came back from the Caribbean, he told, uh, I believe it's the Queen of Spain, but he told her that the people in the Caribbean were so giving, they would make great slaves, right? So imagine seeing kindness in that way. Wow, that, this person is so nice, I want to enslave them. So really, I, I would first do your own independent research. Google is your friend. There's a YouTube documentary about literally everything nowadays. And figure out and just watch what happened the first time Europeans encountered non-Europeans, especially those in Africa the Caribbean, and of course, the Native Americans in here in the U.S. Now, specific books. My favorite author, as everyone heard on the first episode, is James Baldwin. I think James Baldwin is really good. He gives you brutality in a really poetic way. And the history of the African in Western civilization can't be told without uh, an, an immense amount of brutality, just because that's just a fact of the matter. James Baldwin said, castration is the same whether you're in the North or the South, you know, and you really challenged liberalism like no one else has. So I definitely would read uh, The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. I would read Conscientism by Kwame Nkrumah. Kwame Nkrumah is the, the liberator of Ghana. If you look up Kwame Nkrumah, he has a ton of books and you'll, you'll know which one I'm talking about. The Autobiography of Malcolm X is, of course, the classic. It's probably my favorite book. Native Son by Richard Wright is a good way to see how racism is a character in the story of black people constantly, every single day in this country. And Richard Wright wrote Native Son. And that, that's a really good book that's showing the brutality, really, like I said about James Baldwin, of, of, of the African existence in, in Western civilization. Fire on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver is another one. Um, my bookshelf is behind me and I have never turned around to look at it. Okay, let's see. Black Skin, White Mass by France Fanon. Uncle Tom's Cabin by Richard Wright is another one. Black Boy by Richard Wright is another one. And yeah, I mean, you, you could also use the same resource I gave to black people, right? Like the African Civilizations documentary on Amazon Prime. I had just finished watching that when I recorded the episode, which is why I think that was the first thing I said. It was really impactful. It's about six episodes, an hour long. To everyone watching, you've binge watched a lot dumber things than six hours dedicated to African history. So so yeah, um, that documentary series also does a good job of explaining initial African contact with Europe and uh, how it initially went well. They actually, I, I believe it was the Congo that sent representatives to 
the Vatican and to London once the European settlers came to the Congo and were allowed to set up their own settlement, uh, their own little village. They then used that village as an extraction point to take slaves. So uh, the leader of the Congo at the time, I really wish I really wish I, I, I knew the name of, of him. But he wrote a letter to the Pope telling him that uh, these white settlers were taking slaves and he thought the Pope was going to condemn it as as a good Christian should. Right. And uh, the Pope told him tough shit. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. So, yeah, um, I think I named a good amount of, uh, of resources for you there. Uh, thanks for the question, Steph. And next question. Hey, Bo. Um, so as a black educator, I completely agree that we should be allowed to do these things, right? We should be allowed to teach about our history. We should be allowed to get textbooks that are about our history, um, and I work in a majority black school. I, there is not one bl white student in my school. Um, and they are either mixed or Asian, um, but the majority are black or Latinx. So for me, it's just kind of hard because I see the culture side and then I see the standard side. Without those standards being changed, Teachers, yes, we can supplement a lot of our curriculum for what we believe needs to be teached, uh, to be taught. But when we go to do these standardized tests that schools heavily rely on for funding and to continue to be in action and continue to, you know, be in effect, we have to pass those tests. We can't pass those tests if we're teaching things that are not in the curriculum, if we're teaching things that are not in the standards. So we can do these things, but our children's test scores will play, will, you know, like not be as high because of the things that we decided to skip over. Granted, there are some things that you're like, eh, you know, we we talked about this already. They'll be fine. But then there are some things where you're like, mm, this is definitely going to be on the test. We got to spend four or five months on this. So agree with all of it. I just do believe that educators are put in a tough position because we need our children to pass these states, state, um, state tests. We need, but we also need to give them their history, especially as a black educator in a majority black school. But 100% agree, change needs to happen. This is, this curriculum is not accurate to our history. And unfortunately, the state tests do not test on black history. They test on Columbus and any other freaking white person in history. And in order for our schools to stay open and continue to get funding, we need those kids to pass the test, unfortunately, unfortunately for us and for our students. Um, so yeah, if you have any ideas on how to deal with that, let me know. Well, I think while curriculums need to change, I think that we would then also need what is considered need to know information change. 
what I, I believe what I said on the episode was that the curriculum needs to be at least as diverse as the classroom is, or at least as diverse as the community is, right? So in a school like yours, an African curriculum is necessary. There's, there's just no excuse for a, a child to leave a, a school that has practically no white kids and only learn about ancient Greece, but not know that the Greeks got their understanding of math and science from the Africans. That just really doesn't make any sense. So while we change the curriculums, yes, it'd have to go beyond that. It, it would have to be at a state level. Standardized testing would have to change. It's already Standardized testing is already uh, culturally biased as it is. So that would absolutely have to change. And yeah, that's not even to say that Roman history, for example, isn't necessary. I do believe that, you know, black kids should know about ancient Rome. Ancient Rome uh, did accomplish enough to be deemed relevant. I also think the same thing about uh, China, right? China is such a major player on the world stage today. But what do we know about China, right? You, you, you really don't know much at all about China or Chinese history. And I can only imagine being a Chinese kid. It's, they could probably relate uh, somewhat to, to us as, uh, as Africans who don't know our history. But perhaps maybe in their family, they, they get a little bit. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, it would have to go beyond the, the classroom. And kids do need to know ultimately what is on the test, right? Currently, I do tell my nieces, hey, make sure you pass the test, you know, because opportunities do come more often to those who do well on the test, you know, and get the good grades and then go to the good school, you know. So as long as we're testing on racist curriculum, yeah, yeah, you will have to teach uh, a racist curriculum, but that has to change perhaps first. And also forces the teachers' hand, because I also know a lot of teachers who will almost refuse to teach uh, a more diverse curriculum. So thank you for, for that. I think that was, you know, no disrespect to Steph and uh, Renato. I think that was the that was the best question. I, I, I really I really want to um, sit on that one. Maybe I'll maybe bring it back up uh, in next week's bonus episode. So those are my three questions for, for this week. But before I go, I definitely want to talk about the current protests that are happening right now. You know, a lot of the focus is being put on the looting, you know, damage being done to stores and to property. And if I'm being completely honest, the looting doesn't bother me at all. I think America owes, to, to harken to Renato's point, uh, America owes black people too much to talk about looting. If a man owes you millions of dollars, and you go to his house and you and you break something. Who is he? To, how mad can he get at you? The, the debt is there. Until we're even, not to say that I should go to your house and, and damage things, but you are a little hypocritical for getting too angry with me, right? So, I, and, and a lot of the protests are peaceful. Some of the, the, the photo ops I'm seeing of people kneeling before cops and, and all that, I, 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 I really, really despise that. I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think there's really a place for that. I think cops use it as a photo op, like I said, and then they start beating uh, protesters shortly thereafter. So I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't give them too much credit for taking a knee. Uh, we're a little, it's a little late for that. Uh, Kaepernick kneeled, I believe, in 2015 or 2016. Uh, that's when I needed you to knee. But no, we, we don't need to talk about knees, uh, taking a knee anymore. Yesterday, I was at a protest with, uh, with my girlfriend, Renee, and the, the leader of the protest, the organizer, uh, once we got to the... the Manhattan Bridge, he asked us all to bow our heads and pray for the for the police. And it, it really, it really stuck with me. It, I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. I looked around. I'm not really that religious of a person. 
and everyone bowed their heads and I look behind and, and Renee is looking right at me and her face is like, what the, what the f is happening right now? And I couldn't believe that a, a bunch of black people were praying for the police that already have the support of an entire apparatus that keeps them safe. They're not the ones that need the prayer. The black community has needed the prayer. Africans have needed the prayer for about 400, 500 years. Um, I think they'll be all right. I, I definitely think the police will be all right. It's where the people that, that need uh, the support. So before the prayer, actually, uh, everyone took a knee in front of the police. And I'm so happy I have this podcast to even tell the story. Everyone took a knee in front of the police and, and the, the leader asked the police to take a knee with us. I took a knee and immediately when I went to the ground, it started like to really bother me that I'm even down there. I'm looking around like, what am I doing? Why am I? And, you know, I had that internal conflict. You know, when you do something that you know isn't entirely right, that's that's what happened. And and I got back up after about the third time he asked the cop to kneel with us and the cop said no. It was like 10 of them and they they all looked at us like we're insane. You know, not, they never did. He got up um, and then the leader said, you, you're not going to kneel with us. You're not going to kneel with us. And then turns around to the crowd and goes, we need to pray for these officers. And I, and I was I was lost at that point. I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. We, so we begged them to kneel with us. And then and now we're praying for, for them. What 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 part of what part of protesting is this? And it, and it was it was unfortunate because I knew what to say in that moment. But I didn't I didn't say anything. And I, I'm really regretful over that. You can uh, so you can ask my girlfriend. So I, I've been talking to Renee about this was yesterday afternoon um, and I've been. I've been thinking about it ever since, and clearly it's still on my heart now. Uh, I knew what to say, but for some reason I didn't say it. I should have told that. The, the crowd, after we walked away, a lot of people were dissatisfied. Like, what the hell just happened? Why did we just do that? And personally, I felt like I let them all down, even though, you know, no one in the crowd knew me or knew that I had the... I, I felt like I knew what to say in that moment, but I just didn't say it. But Renee told me that it was good that we experienced that, because now I won't ever know what to say and not say it. So, yeah, now, um, n never, never again will that happen. There was frustration in that crowd and that frustration needed to be voiced. We didn't need to, we didn't need to pray for the police officers. I'm all, you know, I, there, are, there are really good Christian values. There was a place for kneeling in 2016. Neither of those things need to be done now. Should we have fought the cops? I'm not saying that, but I, I thought the way, I thought the way that that was handled was, was horrible and I'm really regretful over it. But like like Renee said, never again, never again will that happen. Uh, I think I, I'm going to follow my follow my gut instinct a little more. We all have those regrets. Um, a lot of people have been reaching out to me, thanking me, and um, you know, giving me the congrats uh, for this podcast. I appreciate all of you. Thank you. I love every single one of you that even have given me the time to listen. We're now 25 minutes into the bonus episode. If you're listening now, I, I really I really love you. I uh, love you. But um, but yeah, you know, even even I. Not to say I'm no better than anyone else, but even I sometimes, you know, battle with uh, with following my heart and following my my gut instinct. I do feel a a certain duty to my people, like I say, you know, young people in general, but black people in particular. Um, I, I feel a duty to them. I don't think every black person needs to feel this way, but I, I do. I do feel that way. I don't know where it came from. I don't, I don't know. I try to do everything I can to help black people, in particular, and. It's, it's the most important thing to me. That's what this show is all about. That's what La Soapbox is all about. Anyway, uh, that is the end of the first bonus episode. I don't know if they're all going to be this long. Um, I, I didn't plan for it to be this long. But I mean, as long as you guys keep sending in your, your questions, we'll, we'll keep doing this. 
Jasmine will be receiving a shirt or a book. I'm not sure. I'll ask her uh, after this. Um, I know the three people that sent in audio uh, for this bonus episode, but so it, it's pretty easy for me to reach out to them. But when you send me uh, the audio to lasoapboxpod at gmail.com for any episode, please include your name and like a way I can contact you. You know, it's, it's cool if it's Instagram. You don't really have to give me your number. I really don't. I don't feel like I, I need that if, unless you feel like I do. But yeah, and Jasmine will be receiving one of those for future bonus episodes. Again, just send your voice memo to lasoapboxpod at gmail.com. And I, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode without hearing any clips. I know the first episode, I gave you guys a lot of really beautiful clips, James Baldwin and everything. But in the bonus episodes, I really want it to just be me, my voice, and the people who send audio. So I want you guys to be the, the inserted clips, if you get what I mean. So anyway, thank you for listening. This was the first bonus episode. Thank you.